Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. When we aren't afraid of death, we are less afraid of life. From these episodes, I aim for all of us to take more risks in life, go after our dreams, have great relationships, and joy in the process. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international bestseller, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on our show, I have Erica McKenzie. Erica is a registered nurse, has her bachelor's in science in nursing, is an inspirational speaker, messenger, advocate, researcher, and very soon to be author. And depending on when you listen to this, her book may actually be out. She is the creator of the online weekly show ETV. She is an active member of the National League for Nursing, American Nurses Association, the National Hospice and Palliative Organization, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, and the International Association for Near-Death Studies. Erica is a near-death experiencer, after-death communication and orb phenomena experiencer. At the age of 12, Erica had an eating disorder that continued for 12 years. This led to an addiction to weight loss that took a toll on her health and eventually led to her death on October 1st, 2002. During her near-death experience, Erica was given tools and wisdom that she would need for sharing her new mission on earth, sharing these gifts she learned with others. However, before she could start sharing with others, Erica would go on to face some major, major medical challenges. Erica, I am honored that you're taking the time to be on We Don't Die Radio today. So, Miss Erica Mackenzie, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. I just really appreciate everything you're doing and giving me this opportunity today to share with all of you. You're welcome. And it's also great for me because from the privacy of my own home, I'm meeting great new friends. And I think many of us have a passion for making a difference with each with others. And so we can all kind of join arms and work together in making this difference. So thanks for all you're doing as well. Thank you. So where in the world are you right now, if I can ask? I'm sitting in Massachusetts. How about you? Well, you know, I have this reputation. I guess I'm just going to say it. They call me Dorothy from Kansas. Yes. (laughs) So, yes, I am in Kansas. That's awesome. (laughs) So we're just lucky that it is sunny today, and, you know, I'm enjoying a beautiful day. And um, as you said, just really uh, looking forward to visiting with all of you. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. The biggest question is, um, why do you believe in life after death? Could you tell us a little bit about your experience that maybe led up to the near-death experience and what happened? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is, uh, that's a great question, Sandra, and a loaded question. Um, of course it is, and I know it takes some time, but we're here. My best. Um, you know, the thing is, is ever since I was a little girl, uh-huh. I, um, the environment that I was raised in, I learned a lot about the afterlife and I learned um, about God. And the reason why I say the word God is because I was taught that God uh, was a family member like my sister, Sarah. Um, And so that was the name that was given at the time. But, But nonetheless, what I knew at that time as a young child was that there was more to what I could see and feel and hear on earth. And, um, you know, I grew this relationship with God and spirit and knowing that there was so much more. And, um, that being said, you know, I can remember as a child being able to see, feel and hear spirit all around me. And it was one of those things that, you know, um, I, I didn't get to talk about it very much. I was more or less dismissed. So I kind of kept it to myself, but nonetheless, I did continue to grow this connection to the afterlife and carried it with me um, through my life. And and I went through a lot of things, as you know, and and we'll be coming out and talking about it in my book. But fast forward to, I had a near-death experience. And that's what has brought me to your show today. And I'm very blessed and thankful because um, this near-death experience completely changed my life. Sure, and I I see that you were talking on your website about um, 
phentermine and I, I took that for a while I have been a woman that spent my whole life even from a little kid <clears throat> dealing with weight and up and down and looking for something that would help me lose weight and keep it off and and so I don't know the dangers of of that but that was the mode that you were using that eventually um, led to the death right right yeah absolutely I mean it's 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 such a I'm really glad and thank you for sharing that by the way about yourself um, oh and I'm still doing it you look at pictures of me I could lose 60 70 pounds it's like a it's a battle and you know I I have not yet learned this unconditional love for myself that I so greatly share that is necessary for others so anyways back to you well you know it's it's so true and Sandra that you know the interesting part is is you and I are really big of a a part of a big family of um, an epidemic problem of people that have this um, body image disorder and you know what I learned through my near-death experience it actually took me dying to realize that I had focused on all the wrong things. Um, my uniqueness was actually my value. Oh. And my value, that's my contribution here on this earthly journey. And so when I was doing things like, you know, being bulimic for 12 years before I took the fentanamine and then turning to fentanamine, um, you know, to try to fit in, to be good enough um, right. by mankind, society standards. Um, the whole time what was happening was I was losing me. I was losing this person, my blueprint, that I was sent into the world when I was born to be. And it's so much more than that, you know. It's, we all have a job to do. We all have a mission while we're here on this earthly journey. And it's so interesting because, you know, you look at all of us, we are all different. Yes, it's obvious, right? But it's, it's so much more than that. It's we are all different, I learned when I died, is because it's part of the master, our creator's plan. And we are different because these are actually the tools that we come in with. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that is on my heart. It is my mission being sent back to do my best to... Um, have opportunities and be appreciative and have gratitude in my heart when people like you um, help me get the word out about my message and everything I went through in hopes to prevent other people from doing these things that are unhealthy and seeking something else when really their value is them. You know, it's funny you should say that because somebody just said to me yesterday that if I was like the perfect size two, that (laughs) they could have whatever they wanted in their life and go after their dreams, you know, they wouldn't believe me. <laughs> but because I am a human battling my own, not battling, but you know what I mean, just dealing That's- with my own humanity, it makes me very trustworthy, very believable, very, she's she's like me, you know, she's human, I want to listen to her. So it That's- hit me that don't make myself wrong and still do the best I can eat healthy and exercise and be the best I can but don't be so hard on myself I am unique and you know what maybe this does make me more human to people that are listening and watching and things absolutely I I I completely agree and um if you don't mind I I would love to um share one of the lessons I, I spent a lifetime in heaven. Can you just say what happened? Like, did you? I don't want to say did you overdose, but was there something like what medically happened that led to the oh, flatlining? Absolutely. Thanks for um, sure that up. So what happened was this drug, fentanyl, is um, designed to be taken under a doctor's supervision for three months. Okay, at the most. Uh, so it's it's a sh- it's a short term solution basically. Right. Um, and I ended up taking this class four narcotic, which is highly addictive, um, for nine years. Oh my. Okay. So three months and nine years is unfathomable. Right. In comparison. Um, and the side effects of the drug listed there's several, but some of the more important side effects at the top are um, it obviously just it decreases your appetite. So you don't want to eat as much. Um, And for me, um, it made me not be able to sleep. 
Uh, it gave me a lot of energy and over a period of time, nine years of not wanting to eat or sleep, your neurons in your brain start misfiring. They just do. Uh, because as you know, our bodies, we get so depleted of those things that we need the most. Right. And um, so I started having all kinds of symptoms with my body that were horrible to live with. And uh, two of the very relevant symptoms were with my lungs, my breathing, um, and my heart. And what would happen quite frequently was I would just be standing or sitting, and all of a sudden I could feel um, my lungs not being able to open and especially one of them and just really starting to panic because not only would they not open and I couldn't breathe but it was my brain had forgot how to send that that signal to my lung open it's time to open wow. your air something that all of us take for granted we don't even think about breathing right. okay right. it's time to breathe right it's natural but for me being on this medication for so long and and what it was doing to my body so taxing I was not, I was having such difficulty breathing, I would have to literally jump out of my chair or jump out of bed when I was sleeping, whenever it would happen, and jump up and down and start trying to get my uh, air into my lungs and get my blood pumping and circulating because along with it, each time I could feel my heart and it was slowing, you know, slower and slower and pumping harder and harder. How scary. It was really scary. So I had a lot of um, symptoms that started manifesting that I knew. I couldn't deny it that even though I was addicted to this drug that I thought I needed, and by the way, I had never, I had never taken drugs. This was the first time, and so to be on an addictive substance um, for me, it was it controlled my life. Sure. And um, I had two, I had two babies at the time. I had a family, and it was it's really sad because even though I had this wonderful uh, life, people looking in. I was really unhappy on the inside because I still I, I still didn't think I was good enough mm -hmm. in society. It's that whole it's a whole feeling that a lot of us get. And, I um, know it well. <laughs> yeah. And so basically what happened after nine years of, you know, being on this drug, um, in a nutshell, I collapsed to the floor and I died. I left my body. I rose to the ceiling immediately. I remember looking down and knowing that, oh my gosh, that's me. Um, and I remember knowing this is it. But I also remember at the same time being replaced. Oh my gosh, this is me. This is awesome. I could actually really breathe for the first time. Wow. It was completely, completely different than what it had ever been, even when I was healthy on earth. Nothing compared to this exhilarating, wonderful feeling. And, you know, up until this moment, I was afraid of dying. Uh -huh. I was so afraid of death, even though I had had this connection. Um, you know, with spirit all these years, I was still afraid of dying. I was afraid of being judged mm -hmm. from what I grew up with and the religion that, you know, I grew up with. I was sure I was going to be judged. So I was terrified. But Sandra, the thing is, is it was everything opposite of what I was taught. And it wasn't painful in that moment that you would think dying would be painful. It was absolutely exhilarating and wonderful. And it was effortless. There was nothing I had to do because wow. all of this unconditional love just came, it came pouring in from everywhere. And literally, I remember looking down one more time at the paramedics coming in and the people around me and my body and just really admiring it and being thankful. And then I remember, you know, looking up at the ceiling and letting go completely. And that's when I was embraced with all of this love and, you know, taken effortlessly up through this tunnel, wonderful tunnel. Um, of light and love, and I knew in that moment that I was going home. Oh, that's beautiful. It, now, was the judgment there that you were fearing? Oh my gosh. That's such an important question. Judgment because it defined me my entire life until that day I died. I let others judging me and me judging me yes. define me. And so absolutely not. When I got to Yay! The end, I know. <laughs> Yay! Great. That's, that's the big reason why I know I was sent back. Sure. Um, is to really do my best to help people not only hear my words, but to feel it so they cannot be afraid too. I am no different than anyone else. And I'm telling you, Sandra, <clears throat> excuse me, if anybody should have been judged according to what, 
you know, I was raised in religion to believe it should have been me. Mm-hmm. I messed up so much. I was not perfect. I should have been judged. But when I got to the end of the tunnel and I was delivered into the hands of God and God and I stood together and my um, life review began. What does God look like? Wait a minute. When you say you and God stood together, just paint that picture. Was it visual? Was it a feeling? God was so great that it wasn't even possible for me to be able to see him. Uh-huh. Um, he was on my right and we stood together and I could feel him. It was a feeling. He embraced me. And um, <clears throat> there was one point, you know, in, in our uh, journey when we were in heaven together and the lessons that I was able to see one part of God. And um, but at this point, I was not able to see him physically like I could see you if you and I were sitting together right. in person. But it, it's it's very hard to describe, Sandra. You know, um, going on the other side, there's not enough words that give magnitude to things like um, how you feel and and you know and what God looked like, for example, and what the things you saw. But the best thing I can tell you is I have never felt. Um, or been embraced by anything to this magnitude. And not only that, um, instantly the way that we communicated, God and I began to communicate was telepathically. And so if I thought or felt a feeling, um, it was replaced with knowledge from God on the answers to what it was. And it, it was incredible. So, you know, while I couldn't see with my eyes, it was a different kind of seeing. It was a knowledge that I was yes. given. And I, and I know that was kind of a loaded question because I've, yeah. I've heard from many that our senses are just so extremely huge yeah. and wonderful and alive that there's really no words to describe. It's, it's true. Absolutely. And so, you know, for me, what happened was uh, we stood together and literally it was like we were in a huge movie theater, God and I. And, um, you know, I heard a vintage sounding projector in my left ear and it was counting down. I could hear three, two, one. And then all of a sudden in front of us, the galaxy, the stars lined up and made a curtain and the curtain pulled back and there was a movie screen and it sat on it. The Life Review of Erica McKenzie. Wow. Here's God and I standing together in the universe, and um, I'm having a life review from the day I was born, um, you know, until the day I died. And uh, in that life review, it was very interesting. I, you know, I kept waiting. I just knew I was going to be judged. I just knew it. And um, I wasn't judged. Wow. And I, I, it was interesting because even though I was this, uh, heightened sense of me, I still was able to think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I, I know I'm going to be judged. Isn't that what I deserve? Um, and the whole time I was not judged. I was actually uh, shown different events in my life and um, loved, absolutely, unequivocally loved unconditionally. By more love than you can imagine, it poured in through me that there was times I thought I was going to explode with all of this love. I I didn't know if I could fit any more in. And, um, you know, we got to the end of that life review. And God and I, you know, um, he taught me some more lessons. And then in front of me appeared something. And I just want to share this because I think this is really important. Sure. All with um, what you and I, you know, felt in our lives with um, our image and all that. Appeared in front of me a pair of eyeglasses. Now, Sandra, I've never worn glasses my whole life. So I don't know what that's like here on earth. But I'm quite certain these glasses were not at all like the kind that people Uh wear. To see with eyes. Yes. Yes. First of all, these glasses were the size of a semi-truck. Okay. Huge. Okay. So I'm thinking what am I supposed to do with these glasses? And of course, you know, it's telepathic communication and I know I'm supposed to put them on. So as soon as I think, oh my gosh, there's no way I can put these on. Um, I find at the same time, my hands are drawing near the glasses and the glasses are coming to my face. And as I get the glasses on, they fit perfect. Mm -hmm. And then God said, now look, 
And when he said, now look, again, in my left ear, the movie projector, three, two, one, I could hear it counting down and the stars parted again. Second life review, Sandra, I got two life reviews. And again, this life review started from the day I was born, you know, until the day that I died. And this time I did not see the things that I saw before. And this time I saw the things that are significant and deemed important by God, by our, the one that creates us. Wow. Yeah. And so that was a huge, huge learning opportunity because what I didn't tell you is in the first life review, the things that I saw were things that were accomplishments. They were deemed important by man. They were everything from like losing a tooth and, you know, getting praised for that, going to um, graduation from high school, um, getting awards for cheerleading that I had, you know, for playing sports, um, you know, going to college and graduating with this, you know, prestigious degree and, and getting married, all of these beautiful lifestone milestone events, but that people really kind of, um, <clears throat> judge us on, or that's what makes us supposedly valuable. What kind of things did you see in the second life review, like making a difference for another or a time that you learned something? Right. Absolutely. I did not see those things at all. Um, like the first time I had seen things like helping others, being a friend to someone when everybody else was just downright mean, uh-huh. bully. People would bully, people would belittle. And me being there and not even remembering that I would give support and love and be someone's friend or helping animals. That was a big one. I'm a huge animal lover and um, helping animals, giving love, um, helping an elderly person with their groceries across the street. Um, That is so sweet that that's that's what's important. Yeah, it's absolutely those things. It's the only thing that's important is love making a difference and love making a difference with love anything that we do think and say when we have care and concern and love linked to it that's what matters wow matters and um so you know it was a really big learning curve for me because i had it all wrong i had it all wrong before i died and i um I was able to help and do those things, but not to the magnitude that I needed to because I was so hard on myself, you see, I didn't really love me. Uh, I know that feeling personally, and I think many of us do. Right, and that's, it's important. It's really important because here's the thing, you know, we can go through our lives and we can be helpful and we can love others, but until we learn to take the time and do the work. See, it's work for many of us to learn to love ourselves. And that means doing the work, you really love yourself. And what that means is, Sandra, is that we have to look at our blueprints. Our blueprints, it's our gifts. Our gifts that we have, each of us have these different gifts that we were given. Mm -hmm. We have to learn to love who we are, the way our creator made us, because that is our value right there. And until we can, if you think about it, if we don't love ourselves, how can we really go on and love others and do these great things together and empower people to the magnitude that is designed for us? We can't. We can't. We really can't. And so we have to not only talk the talk, we got to walk the walk. And I wasn't doing that. And so I had to learn, um, you know, when we got to the end of that life review, that second one, and God said to me, Erica, you know, when you were born, each and every one of you, the lesson of the gifts, I give you all gifts. And that lesson, Sandra, was just incredible, you know, and, and it's just, it's something that I hope um, with getting sent back that I can help everybody, everybody know. And if they don't know, call me. <laughs> let's, let's sit down. I know you have gifts. I will help you. I am determined, each and every one of us, you know, to really learn to love ourselves so that we can go on using our gifts, our uniqueness, our value, and helping others. It's a rippling effect. Wow. Did you see anything else in your journey into heaven? 
Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. There, um, I was there for the best way to ex describe it to people is I died at 31. And so at that time, I felt like I was in heaven for another 31 years, a lifetime, a human lifetime. Wow. <clears throat> and that's, yeah. And so um, I learned so much. God and I shared so many lessons. Um, after the two uh, life reviews, and I had a lesson of the rippling effect. And then I also... Um, what I does that a, mean, the lesson of the rippling effect? Well, there's there's a lot that goes into it. And, um, you know, that's one reason why I felt compelled. I'm not a writer. I actually love speaking more. Uh -huh. But I knew I had to, to write it down to share it because there's a lot of important details in it. But just in a nutshell, um, you know, the rippling effect is exactly what I'm saying that um, even, you know, we need to learn to love ourselves and value instead of change. See, people think change yourself, change the world. But really think about that. That's just a surface thing. Uh-huh, it is. I ask you to consider value yourself, which requires you to do exactly what I just said. Value yourself change the world and that's in a nutshell the rippling effect because as you know we all affect each other whether we ever get to meet each other in person animals it doesn't matter we are the rippling effect and it was a really beautiful um, lesson that I learned that I talk about in the book and um, just knowing and people have peace that no one is more important than anyone else and you know, um, we are each equal and important and significant and beautiful rippling effects. And yeah. um, I have, go ahead. Oh, I just have a picture in my mind of the ripple effect. Like, we'll use this show for an instance. Neither you nor I know from having this conversation who's listening and then who can tell who, whether they listen or they don't, but even just some of the words about making a difference or embracing our uniqueness and things like that, how they may share it and how that might ripple to some kid that makes a difference in their lives and then they grow up making a difference. And to me, the ripple effect is it, it just keeps on going. And so to see in just, you know, your eternity in heaven near other 31 years, like those small things all starting with self-love and self-valuing and, and embracing our uniqueness, the difference that that will ripple out with. Is that kind of along the lines of the ripple effect? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, if everybody would just take this lesson and feel the courage to and the faith to be able to really invest in themselves and their value, they would start to see things differently and have the strength and believe in themselves to use their gifts. And I'll tell you what, you want to talk about a strong rippling effect? Yes. How about a bunch of people walking around feeling really good about themselves and feeling they can contribute with these beautiful gifts they have and feeling great about them? That is such a strong rippling effect. And that's when we change the world. That's when we change it. We really shift it. You know, it's funny that we're all, we're having this conversation. I just watched an episode of Steve Harvey on his TV show, and mm -hmm. he's got a new book out. I forgot the name of it, but it's all about embracing your unique gifts. And then um, I'm part of a, a workshop, a conference that helps people become writers called Author 101 University. And two of the little girls I forgot how old they are but they're you know under 10 they just wrote a book their first book and it's called I love me and it's how to embrace and our own self-esteem it just came in the mail to me yesterday oh, and so gosh. having you be the third person that's mm -hmm. saying really to embrace our uniqueness and love ourselves and starts with us you know there, there's a real message coming to me and I think others as well it's so true. And, um, you know, after the rippling effect, um, I, God and I shared another lesson, um, and it was called the gifts. Okay. And, you know, that goes along the lines of everything that we're talking about. 
Um, and for me, it was, you know, God telling me to look, to, I looked to my right and again, the stars parted and that is front, so cool. I know <laughs> I you, it's I, what I learned. One thing I did learn about having this um, near death experience was that God shows each and every one of us exactly what we are to see or what we are to know in that very moment. Right. It is part of a bigger plan. And yeah, so for me, um, I'm very much a visual, hands-on learner. Yep. And so there was a lot of visual things that um, happened for me because of that, so that I would be able to never forget when I came back so that I could deliver the messages to people and help. But yeah, so the stars parted and in front of me, do you know what appeared? No. Shelves. Now, Sandra, these were <laughs> Shelves, <laughs> like bookshelves? Shelves? Yes, these okay, were not shelves. bookshelves, though. They took on a life of their own, like you and I are breathing and alive. They were so powerful, white, beautiful, beaming shelves. And these shelves, I remember knowing to look to my left, and I looked to my left out in front of me past the furthest galaxy till I couldn't see any further, and the shelves kept on going. And then I remember God telling me, you know, to look to my right and behind me, to the furthest stars and galaxy that way, the shelves kept on going. And then I remember knowing, okay, now look up. So Erica looks up. More shelves. Up. Yeah, the shelves kept on going to pass the highest star. I couldn't even see more. And then all of a sudden, on all of these shelves appear gifts, presents, like at Christmas, if you go down underneath oh, the tree. Love that, okay. All of these presents. Uh-huh. But remember how many shelves and how far they're going now, not one, not one gift was the same. I remember looking and taking a mental notation. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. They were all wrapped so beautifully, so different sizes and shapes. Not one gift was the same. That's Those a beautiful gifts. picture. It is. And, you know, <clears throat> I'm looking and I'm enjoying all of this magnificence and feeling all of this love and this powerful knowledge coming into me. And God looks at me and he said, Erica, when you were born, when all of you were born, I give each and every one of you gifts. And when you were born, I gave you the gift of patience and I gave you the gift of beauty. Hmm. And this was the first time in my experience in heaven with God because I was raised in a generation where you really respected your elders and you didn't really, you know, talk back to them. Uh -huh. And unfortunately, at this point, it just came out of me. When God said that, I said, oh, no, no, God, that can't be right. You see, I don't think I'm beautiful. My whole life, I didn't think I was good enough. And the um, things that were said to me, you know, Bush Monster, um, Harry Ape, uh, you know, whatever it was, I didn't feel like I was good enough looking at the magazines and all those things and being yeah. around peers, that kind of thing. And so I was taken back in that moment thinking, oh my gosh, I was panicking. That's not right. You didn't give me the gift of beauty. And he interrupted me at that time and he corrected me so lovingly and said, Erica, I gave you the gift of patience and I gave you the gift of beauty. And what I knew in that very moment, what that meant was that the gift of beauty came from within my heart, my heart. And this external beauty is just an extension of right. what's really inside of somebody. And for me, God was talking about the beauty of my heart. And I knew in that moment that it really was a gift for the first time. But then I also was given that knowledge and that knowing that, that all of our gifts come with a responsibility to learn, identify, and grow those gifts and use them. Yep, and then share them with other people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so it was just this really humbling, gratitude-filled time of a uh, lesson that God and I shared that I knew that, you know, I had to really get it because it wasn't just about me, but until I understood and could accept the gifts I was given and knew how to use them when I, you know, I couldn't help anybody else. And I knew that this was a gift for all of us, and each you, and every one of us. And you so need, and I'm so proud of you, and I'm looking forward to hearing about 
um, your upcoming book. But it's such an important message because it's it's so funny, not like ha ha funny, but pitiful funny that we can be so hard on ourselves because um, anybody who wants to see what Erica looks like, go to we don't die radio.com and you can see her picture oh and she's gorgeous. Oh. And so, but inside and I can hear it right now, her identity is still fighting to not get that. Right. And yeah. I'm, I'm the same way, but we, we all are. And it's just, I, there is internal beauty within her and external beauty. And that little voice that's, may be telling you you're not good enough and you're not special you know that's not who you are that that voice is it's a byproduct of being human we all have it um but don't listen to it 90 percent of the time (laughs) unless it's saving your life you know telling you not to jump out in front of traffic you don't have to buy into what it's saying right absolutely i mean i think that you, you you hit it on the head you know the thing is is um, I, I did have to come back and I, you know, I didn't think I was going to have to, but obviously God said, yeah, that's not going to happen. You're not staying child. You work for me now. Remember right. at the end of my journey with him. But, um, that is, that is part of it is, is having to live as a spiritual being in a human body mm-hmm. and learning, um, how to balance that body, mind, and spirit. And one of the things that I have learned to this journey is really, um, becoming an advocate for my body, mind, and spirit, and now being able to, because I've lived all of this, you know, hopefully help people on how to do that. It's the best ammunition for us. And, um, you know, that's a really humbling part. And having gratitude is, is yes, I find myself. Um, thank you for the compliment. And I find myself, <laughs> it is hard to say. I know. I have it myself. I, I want to fight with people when they give me a compliment. <laughs> but I, I, you know, for the first time, Sandra, I, I, I look at it different um, because of what happened to me. And the way I look at it now is I catch myself and I realize that's just me reminding myself how grateful the gratitude and how humble that I really must always carry with me because that really is an important balance to be able to contribute. And so, um, yes, you know, if in any way, if I am pleasing to the eye, I am. <laughs> thank, you're, you God. You're funny. thank you, God. And let me, you know, go on then to um, use that with gratitude in a way to help. How can I help others with sure. that and make a difference? Because maybe. If I am pleasing to the eye to someone, then what comes out of my mouth, more importantly, the knowledge that is found in our hearts. Sure. sure. You know, if, if I can change and help and give hope in any way, then I'm so, doing my job. So I have another gigantic question. Oh, gosh. Now, okay, no, no, I mean, you're sitting down. You'll be fine because you've lived your life. You know the answer to this. And oh, our time goes by so fast. I'm looking at the clock. I'm like, we only have like 10 minutes left together but here's here's the thing and we can't we obviously can't get into everything that happened next um as far as you on earth and health wise but you when you came back from your near-death experience you were faced with just incredible incredible health challenges i mean i started counting everything that you sent me and i think it's nine or ten things that were just heavy duty physical challenges now given that you were given this wonderful experience and that we're all unique in gifts and there's people listening right now that are suffering something terrible from physical ailments and emotional ailments how do you keep the light burning how do you keep how do you put it in perspective that you might be going through something really suffering inside the body or mind and still be able to put this in in perspective I mean that is such a great question and um, that is honestly why I know that I went through all of the health medical challenges the um, you know emotional challenges the self images challenges before I died and then like you said coming back all of the challenges I went through I mean you know this happened to me 13 years ago and there's a reason why you're not hearing from me until you know 2014 and this is really important part of what you're saying. <clears throat> Everything is in God's timing. And I know there's no doubt in my mind as I look back 
at everything that I've experienced, good, bad, great, ugly, health, whatever right. it is. These are all learning opportunities. That is how I was able to get through it all, is once I could shift my perception, even yes. the tragedies, and realize that, okay, I can do this. There is nothing that I can't do with God, with our Creator, the light, source, whatever you want to call it. All things are possible. It's truly true. And, you know, just to give myself a break and enjoy knowing that I'm not alone because I'm part of something greater. And just knowing that knowledge is power. I cannot say it enough. I was told, Sandra, so many times throughout my life that, you know, um, no, the word no, uh -huh. things aren't possible. Um, why do you try so hard? You're only one person. You're never going to change the world. Um, you know, you're never going to get better. You're not going to get healthy. These are your odds. Um, you know, I've never seen anybody get better or whatever it was. And I just knew that that was not the case. I knew that I had to try. And so that's what propelled me. And, and when I say knowledge is power, the best advice I can give anybody, because I've been through so much, I've lived so much, what helped me and I share for them to consider is trying to um, learn to become your own advocate because you do have a voice. We use our voices in different ways. It's not necessarily like having a conversation and you hear that voice. Right. It's, it's learning. And for me, uh, after I came back, and as you know, and I'm going to get into the being uh, checked into a mental institution against my will um, because of sharing my near-death experience to the first health professional I did. But that being said, that was really important too. But you know, the thing is, is what I've learned is whatever it is you're going through, if you're going through a mental illness or endometriosis, cancer, whatever it is, um, for me, what I did is I let God, I let go and I let God guide me and I was quiet and I listened. And that's the most important lesson I learned in heaven was to be quiet and listen. Because God was always, Spirit was always with me and communicated and was there for me no matter what I was going through. But the answers that I was given came to me in different ways. So if I said, God, help me with the cancer. I don't want this anymore. You know, get me out of the mental institution. I don't want this anymore. I couldn't just think, okay, God's going to come down with a lightning bolt and give me the answer. I had to be quiet and listen because it would the message and the next help, step for help, would come in different ways. It could be the least suspecting person, a stranger, to come and give me a message of hope. Sure. You know, that would lead me in that direction. Oh, this is what I need to do next. Or an article or hearing like a radio show like with you. You have great people on that are sharing these amazing messages, which are tools. So I would hear something and it would resonate with me. I was quiet and listen. And that really helped to give me the strength to not give up and to know that there's nothing I couldn't do, all the things I went through, and that actually we are so powerful. And when we are able to shift our perception and see how valuable we are and just start really growing this connection with God and seeing our value, it healed me. Wow. And you just let go of the things that you can't control. You do the best that you can. And to look at our lives, and there's a big difference between being a victim and mm -hmm. being in the woe is me mentality. And it's difficult because it, everything right. within us wants to be upset and, and wants to be like, why did this happen to me? And woe is me. But I know firsthand, and I ask everybody, including you, Erica, and me, when we look back on our lives, we've had some lousy, lousy things happen. We've also had some great things happen. And I just want people to think of all of those things that have happened to us have shaped us into who we are right here, right now, today. Even if you don't like yourself, we have to go rewind to the beginning of this interview, <laughs> which it really yes. is about loving and accepting yourself right. and not listening to that, that little voice. But if you are suffering right now, I don't have the answers for physical pain, why things have to hurt so bad. But um, when you can quiet your mind, and like Erica was saying, um, 
and listen and sometimes even and this may sound silly but if you can quiet your mind and you have an illness or a pain and maybe ask the question you know why are you here what what am I supposed to learn from you and then in the quiet of your mind very often an answer will appear and or, or it may not however just trusting that you're not alone in it and and there and whether this is true or not it will be very empowering to not be in the victim seat be in the seat of there's some soul growth to be had here for me there's something I'm supposed to learn and and look without Erica living through everything you have you would never be able to give it away I mean it's incredibly valuable the things that you've said so far um, and yeah. I think you brought up actually Sandra a really important thing and that is that when you say the word victim and the thing is is if I can say anything to anyone please allow yourself to if you're feeling sad or if you're pissed off or if you're hopeless allow yourself you are not a victim by allowing yourself to actually be in this moment and feel those feelings allow yourself to feel whatever it is in that moment that you're going through there's a difference you don't have to be a victim and I think sometimes people um, myself included at one point thought you know oh my gosh I'm a victim because I I'm sad or I'm pissed off or whatever I'm stuck but actually sometimes if you can look at it like this when we allow ourselves to feel those feelings and just really own them and then be quiet and listen and let this love pour through and these messages whatever however they're coming to us um, it helps us to not go there then and to be the victim victim to me means roadblock right right and let's let's lift that roadblock because what actually when you allow yourself to feel that sadness and just and own it and then get, you know feel it um, it can be therapeutic because then you can actually move on and go to the next step because you're able to now okay you know I'm gonna you know quiet and listen quiet your mind and whatever comes next um, with the hope, whether it's your show or another person, inspiration, mm -hmm. or you know, um, any kind of medical knowledge, you're getting this gift. But yeah, it's it's really it's a thing where you are valuable. You are not a victim. You are valuable. And please so know who who me, Erica, who's ever listen, sitting in your chair right now listening, 99% of you will want to go down the victim road. That voice inside of our head wins most of the time. Even myself, I've written a book, I've spoken on stages, I've been on television, somebody made a documentary about me, oh it sounds so great and wonderful. I wake up every day forgetting this, wanting to beat up on myself, I'm not good enough, and it takes putting a system in place to right. pull me out of it. And for me, it's it's talking to people, having these interviews, reading. Every time I drive, I've got something inspirational in the car. That's it's right. difficult to lift ourselves out, put a structure in place of, of listening, whether it's these shows, reading books, whatever that will help sure. remind you of who you really are. And Sandra, you brought up a really great point that is service. I feel like when I hear you talking about what, you know, what you went through and you were, you felt mm -hmm. like you were a victim at one point and then you, what you did is you find like through helping others talking about it on your interviews, whatever it yes. is, yes. and it's service. And for me, the same thing, you know, after I came back from this experience, you know, I was, I was so sick that I couldn't get up and, um, you know, start talking to people like I am now in, in large groups and helping in that way. But what I found for me was service is different for everyone. And, and what I did was I volunteered um, just one person at a time. I did the hospice. And, you know, some, maybe people can't even do that. But in a way, they'll find what speaks to them and what they're passionate about and, and to serve. Sometimes when you can take the focus off yourself and, and that, that grieving and that helplessness and, and that victim part that you right. feel and try to help someone else whether it's animals people I don't care whatever it is that you feel called to and you're passionate about yes it is so healing it is so powerful um, because that was such an instrumental integral part of my healing was as I was trying to heal and get healthy and I didn't have the energy and I was still feeling hopeless about my health and everything this part of me I was determined to tell people that there is so much more that when we die the journey continues it doesn't end right? right and so for me that's why i was led to the hospice part 
And so I listened and God said, okay, hospice, right? So, so in my way, I, yes, I could only do one person at a time, but that was so powerful. And I healed as I gave and I let go of my own trials and tribulations. Yeah. Starting to get replaced. You cannot be thinking about your own problems and your own situation when you your focus is on making a difference with other people and it's not just a mental healing you will have you will have a physical healing because your body does produce more of the healthy chemicals and uh, neurotransmitters and all those great things when you are being of service erica our time is about up it's Uh breaking my heart but we're just a joy i know but i want to i want to Well, there's two things. One is I will have the link to Erica's website when uh, her book is published or it, depending on when you listen, it may already be published. Um, You can find the links to Erica on wedontdieradio.com. But Erica, for right now, do you have a website you can share or a way um, that people can find out more about you? Absolutely. It's Erica, E-R-I-C-A, McKenzie, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. EricaMcKenzie.com. Perfect. And I I copied a um, a post from your website, which is something that you wrote in your words. It says, "It took me dying to learn our uniqueness is our value. Our value is our contribution on this on this earthly journey. There is power in our uniqueness. And for all of us that I ask for today." even this moment really look in the mirror embrace the unique individual you are no you might not be a size two model or you may be and but i think even perfect beings who have the perfect bodies are still finding fault with themselves but really embrace who you are and how special you are and how unique you are and that that right there lies your greatest gift and your homework is to share you, share vulnerably, share authentically, and, and be that gift to the world. Um, love yourself, know that you do make a difference, and, and put in a practice to remember how great you are. So I want to thank again our guest, Erica McKenzie, and I, I'm thrilled to have met you and spent this time with you. And this is Sandra Champlain. I'm going to just close this show with saying, I believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. Really embrace your uniqueness. Make a difference for somebody today. And I thank you for taking the time to listen. And we will see you soon. 